Welcome to Windsor's Truth, the podcast where you get the opinion of people from all around our community on one simple question. What is the biggest issue Windsor faces? I'm Maya McHale, your host, and welcome to the one show where you will get to hear different points of views from some amazing people from right here in Windsor, Ontario. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Windsor's Truth, the podcast where you get a taste of Windsor's not-so-positive attributes. I'm your host, Maya McHale, and today we will be talking to Brian Massey. Hi, Brian. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you today? I'm great. Okay, so for people who may not know you, can you please introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Brian Massey. I've been born and raised in Windsor, Ontario. So I, at a young age, uh, went to Glenwood and then Massey and then also spent um, uh, time at the University of Windsor. I did go away for university. Uh, long story short, I came back to, to be with family after working in Toronto and uh, was a, um, a support worker for persons with disabilities as an employment specialist. So I did that for years and then um, got into politics by accident, so to speak. And that's when I became a city councillor and then later on an MP. So that's kind of a little bit of my background. I'm lucky to have two children and a, a partner, Terry Chow, uh, and we reside in Windsor here, and uh, just in the last few years, I haven't, but I was a hockey coach as well along the way. <laughs> That's so fun. <laughs> uh, so, um, you say that you're an MP, right, for Windsor West. So, yeah. what is your job as an MP? What do you do? So, great question, yeah. So, I'm a member of Parliament for Windsor West. So, Windsor West is three-fifths of the city of Windsor. So, it's like Sandwich Town, Downtown. Um, with some of the Walkerville area in South Windsor, out to the airport. So as the, as a representative for this area, um, I represent us for Ottawa. Um, and so uh, what I do as your federal representative is we work on legislation on the federal side. So it could be on the environment, it could be on employment insurance, it could be on, um, you know, I've done a lot of work on auto policy, uh, but basically I have the representative in the vote in the House of Commons for the New Democratic Party uh, for uh, this area. Uh, there's one other uh, seat that we share this area, that's Windsor Tecumseh, and that's like two-fifths uh, uh, of the city of Windsor, and then there's a, a seat Essex around us. So there's really kind of three seats in our general area, and I have, again, three-fifths of the city of Windsor. And my job is to do uh, a number of different things, but most importantly is to represent the uh, people down here uh, in the discussion of federal matters. Uh, which is sometimes confusing for people because they don't know municipal, provincial, or federal, so we always sort those things out. And it's, um, it's very common for people not to know the difference, which is cool. Yeah, for sure. So, um, since you play such a big role in our community, and I know this is a very vast question, but what do you believe is the biggest challenge we face in Windsor? Well, I, I still think in terms of locally and also across the globe is climate change. Um, there's no doubt that um, there's the environmental aspect of it in terms of greenhouse gas emissions, pollution, um, and also the warming of the planet. Uh, but it also correlates to our quality of life and our human health. Uh, that's one of the things that got me interested in federal politics. And one of my first bills was how industrialized areas have high rates of cancer, different diseases um, because of the type of work we do. And I would say that we need a green transition as well, too. So you look at the auto industry, for example, and Canada's lagging behind uh, in some of the uh, electric versions and some of the modern investments uh, for electric vehicles. Uh, we've been pushing that since uh, we did a program with David Suzuki back in 2004 uh, for a green car strategy. 
But it all kind of comes down to the end of the day is that we have um, unsustainable practices as human beings across the planet that need to change because we're having not only just an ecosystem effect upon our own human health and our own societies, but also obviously uh, the welfare of the entire species of the planet. Yeah, climate change is obviously a huge problem and it's been around for quite a while now. Um, so what is, is there anything that the government is doing to kind of help that issue or... Yeah, well, we do have legislation, and this is a—I mean, this is the the thing that's been in place—is that we've signed um, protocols like the Kyoto Protocol and, and others to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions, but Canada never followed up on it, and that's our criticism of of the Prime Minister Trudeau and previously that of Chrétien, who signed the agreement, and and then subsequent prime ministers, is that we haven't followed up to our obligations internationally. So we need to do that, um, and we need to lower the emissions. In fact. Uh, President Biden is going ahead more aggressively than our current uh, government right now uh, with climate reductions. And then there's things that we can do. Like sometimes we think of these things in a global context, and they so what can I do as an individual? What can I actually change? But we can do these things. Uh, I would point to my campaign. Um, not only have we been fighting for years, and we are getting a new border crossing, but next to it I want us to build a national urban park and increase our green space um, to do those things uh, you know, stops flooding, protects species. There's over 110 endangered species there, and it provides us with um, economic opportunity through tourism, but also health and wellness, but also most importantly, protecting uh, and improving our our, um, our footprint for uh, the environment. So those are the things that we can do. So sometimes they do seem like a big thing that you can't have much of an impact, but it can. And I just, you know, to sum up too, is our, our campaign, I want to thank everybody from Windsor-Essex here to stop um, microbeads. It was the first legislation passed uh, from a nation uh, to ban certain types of plastics that were in, you know, your toothpaste and other things like that. That was a motion I got passed in the House of Commons that was part of work from Windsor and Essex County. And so we can chip away at some of the things that are right in front of us. And then as a larger part, the country has to have a better direction on these things. Right. I completely agree. Um you can't, like, we could do so much, but it needs to be a global change, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. So, obviously, everything comes with a cost, right? So, yep. what does it cost, like, will it cost Canada or the people of Canada anything to, like, like anything towards this issue? You know what I mean? Like, is yeah. it... Does, no, it's, you know, it's a fair question issue? because people are worried about, like, it's expensive right now and, and things have been rising in prices and that's why I do issues like trying to lower cell phone costs um, and internet costs. That's what a big campaign I've been part of is because we only have so much resources and people are getting tight on stuff. So uh, for global emissions, it will cost some money up front, but it will save more money later on down the road and the newer environment uh, improvements will also actually improve and reduce our health care uh, costs as well too. So there's offsetting things that take place. The cost of not doing things are going to be way more expensive. I just point to flooding. Um, you look at South Windsor and we have the Grand Maris Drainer slash Turkey Creek. More improvements we can do to that, for example, in drainage and I mentioned Ojibwe Shores and the National Urban Park, but all those things in, in, and you look at the Cameron, South Cameron Planning District area where we have green when we don't actually address it, we have more runoff, more flooding that goes to people's basements. There's costs there. There's, um, and you know, there's issues with mold in your house. There's all kinds of things. And then it comes to the same point when, if we don't address it as a as a country, um, we can't compete fairly. Um, so what ends up happening is that some environmental degradation takes place elsewhere. Uh, if we don't have like you know multilateral agreements with other countries, because they'll use the environment as a subsidy. 
So these are the things that we have to write in. And I was really proud that we fought locally here. Tracy Ramsey was very much involved with it, Cheryl Hardcastle and myself with the new agreement with the um, United States and Mexico to include labor and environmental uh, components. The first time a trade agreement's had those elements that's enforceable uh, to some degree, not as good as we wanted it to, but it still is it's a big step forward having them written right into the agreement because this way you can't use the environment or labor as a subsidy uh, to compete against good practices. Yeah, that's amazing. So why do you believe like Canada as a nation or even globally, why do you believe we haven't taken um, the, ste- the, the real steps that we need to to properly or I don't want to say put an end because it's probably very hard right now, but um, to help reduce climate change. I, I think, and I'll be quite frank on this, I think Canada has gone through a number of years now, maybe both 30 to 40 years of mediocrity, um, where we've relied upon our good reputation and our history of being not only just a nation for peace and for uh, intervention on tough times when they're important for the world as leaders, and we've taken a back seat to many of those things. And I think that we need to rediscover that. Uh, we see the environment here in Canada because we have a vast nation as something probably that can be used at an expedited uh, course. And we just rely upon, I guess, pictures and old videos and, and things of just the wide ranges of areas that we're cleaning green. But the reality is that we have some of the highest emissions per persons and the highest energy uses per persons amongst the world. So I just think we've been in a malaise a little bit, and I think that that's changing. I'm really proud with um, my previous work with Jack Layton, as leader of the NDP who passed away, and now with Jagmeet Singh, is that we're in proposition, not opposition, and that we're trying to present solutions for things as opposed to just uh, being in opposition to complain about something, but actually bringing forth uh, solutions to things. And that's why, you know, in our own neighborhood, so I have taken to this campaign on Ojibwe Shores, uh, it's because it's practical. It's right in front of you. There's 110 endangered species that we have between birds, bugs, and grass, and different fauna um, to things that you know when it connects us to our rest of our world. So that's where I think that we need to go towards is more of an activism point in the in the world. We've kind of just taken a back seat for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, I yeah I completely see that. Um, and so a lot of people within our I don't want to say within our country only, but within a bunch of like countries so globally believe that climate change isn't real they believe that it's just yeah. a scam what do you have to say to those people well it's just you know even if you don't want to buy into the the climate change is not being really real you and your family and even your consumer purchasing uh, are going to be way better off in the value uh, with cleaner and greener products um, i would point to one of the things i'm most proud about is at one point in time in parliament um, there was a law in Canada where you could write off your, uh, your, I guess, destroying the environment or a bad business practice where you got fined and penalized as a business-related expense. So what that means is that if you got fined for dumping oil down the water or down the drain um, from a factory or somewhere else and it caused all kinds of problems, you used to get a fine for it. You could actually write that fine off as a business-related expense and get money back from the taxpayers. So I was able to end that practice, and the point being is that it also brings into new uh, com- competition, new jobs, new innovation. Uh, and you look at, say, for example, some of the eco-development we have now between uh, solar products. Look at how many great solar products are out there. More and more are coming online. Uh, sustainable energy products, all those things are going to make your life better, and it's going to save you and your money and your family money. So if you don't believe it for the... The ecosystem, just believe it for your pocketbook, because at the end of the day, what we're doing now is not affordable, and it's going to get worse. Right, yeah, that's 
completely reasonable. Like we see, we are, we can already see um, some changes going on in the ecosystem, and it's not looking too great right now. So, Brian, as an MP, I know you mentioned advocating for um, like briefly, but can you kind of go in, uh, into a bit more depth of how you've been advocating for this problem within the legislature? Yeah, so what we do is we use our time um, in the House of Commons to, um, you know, champion different causes and different um, things. So, so today I asked a question in the House of Commons about our border. Obviously with COVID, it's been such a strain on families uh, and businesses and trying to keep us safe. So the government's plan right now has just been to kind of decide month by month what um, to do on the border. What I've asked for is a border task force. A working group that involves the businesses, involves the non-government organizations like the not-for-profits uh, and, and family advocates to talk about these things, to bring in best practices, to be um, accountable for safety, but also to look towards the future. And so uh, what you do is use those tools to do that. And then so later today, I'm going to speak on a couple of different bills in the House of Commons, and you try to do that. And then other times, it's quiet diplomacy. So on a number of different things, you'll talk to different members of different parties and try to bring consensus. So I like working with different parties. I don't have a problem with that. We may not agree on all the things, but if we can find stuff that was like supportable, then we need to move on those. So you'll use that. And we also have what's called committee, which is really boring to a lot of people. <laughs> it's uh, But we study lots of different things. So I'm at an industry committee where, you know, we just commissioned a report. I, I was really proud of this report. It's the first one we ever did on, uh, I was able to get is a prevention of fraud. So there's a lot of people getting texts and emails and all these different things that organize crime and it's stealing money from the constituents I represent. So I was able to get hearings at a committee. We brought in a whole bunch of witnesses. These are people that presented information about fraud and we commissioned a report and the government is now is responding to that. So they're, they're actually doing some things to help protect people for fraud because it's so really bad out there right now. It's getting worse. And so you just try to do those types of things to try to make a difference. Yeah, for sure. So you said that you don't mind working with people from other parties. So do you find that other parties are equally as um, worried about the ecosystem as you may be or your colleagues may be? No, I don't. Uh, but that doesn't stop us from finding those common grounds. Uh, so the, the Liberals talk about it, um, you know, but the, when you look at the record, we still don't even have the proper targets that we're supposed to have right now and enforceable. To the Conservatives, they actually did less, but they did more in some respects is because what they did do actually got done under Stephen Harper. But I don't seem to see the sense of urgency, and that's why you see them embroiled in a lot of different public debate about whether it's climate change is real and a whole series of things. But what you do with those, you go there and you work with people because in the mix of everybody, there's different priorities that people have, and there's always something in common. And again, they can have equal criticism of me as a New Democrat for different things, but that's okay. So what you try to do, though, is to find those common things. I guess for me, um, what I see is the environment and I see the action that we need to do as a central value to uh, social and economic justice as well. I think that's the biggest difference that um, it comes from my perspective and my party is that they're all connected and woven together and you can't have, so say for example, when you have um, you know, uh, sustainability in front of you, uh, by not protecting the environment, by not protecting workers, um, and not providing the proper supports for them or legislation to protect them, uh, they get treated differently. And often it's the marginalized people that are at the end of the, you know, the, the effect of it. So we've seen that from farming and in different places to uh, even industrialization where uh, workers have faced the brunt of poor environmental and labor practices uh, where some people have made it rich. 
Whereas, you know, we need to see these as things all tied together and that includes the environment. Yeah, 100%. So around the city, we've seen a lot of different councils starting to get formed to help the environment and all of that. So obviously it's hard because of COVID to really put into like events and things to like to take action, right? It's hard. So do you think that COVID really had a major toll on this issue? Yeah, there's no doubt that it's things that have to be done differently. It's also created new opportunities. People are online more. Um, I've said for years that um, your internet being your cell phone in uh, your TV and your mobile devices is an essential service. And now, though, it's being adopted as a practice. We still have a way to it's too, too affordable for people right now, and the costs are too much, and the companies have made uh, record profits during the times of a pandemic. But what it's done, though, is it's driven to a different sense of activism and, and different types of ways of people connecting. So there's a benefit there. So as, as myself, um, you know, we can't go to some of the rallies and different things that we'd like to get together. But at the same time, I've noticed some young people and other activists um, finding new ways to connect than ever before. So you just have to take the best out of what you can in the situation. And with COVID, I mean, we still are going to be faced with some challenges coming up, even as we get vaccinated. Um, there'll be some challenges, but we just have to be resilient in our commitment to improve the environment. And lastly, one thing I can say is I have noticed some improvements in the environment in some areas because there's been less human activity on certain things. So I think we've seen some net benefits, some special things develop that we wouldn't have seen before. And so we can actually take you know a lot of uh, you know thought to that because we can't see improvements with our environment if it recovers. Yeah, for sure. So for listeners that might be listening, is there any... I don't know if there's any like events or anything that might be planned soon in our area so that we can um, so that they can participate and really help out. Well, there's you can always check on our website www.briamassey.ca for some of the things that we have and get engaged. We have petitions, we have activity there. Um, and I would encourage the people to continue to do what you're like, reach out amongst your family, friends, neighbors. So it, I think the summertime we'll see some more activity. I have petitions like online ones. We did one for the airport to save the airport tower, for example. Um, and then we have other ones like Ojibwe Shores. So those things are also there. Online petitions are there. And, and I would say engaging in, on, on social media in a positive way. Um, there's so much negativity out there. And what you can do is you can make a difference by not being one of those negative people out there. It's okay to be critical uh, and have good debate, but some people are using it as a tool or a weapon uh, against others. And being one of the good people out there uh, that's doing positive things, is that's a great pushback. That's a bump back against some of the people that want to be bullies or want to be negative to the point of trying to influence others or make people feel bad. And so just know that you're not alone in that, that actually you do make a difference by being one of those persons. I had somebody today send me a nice message uh, saying that before they were kind of rude and they were, you know, a little bit abrupt and uh, then just said they were thinking about things on Mother Day and thank you so much for the work that you and your office are doing. That meant a lot to me because they recognize that sometimes, um, and, and, you know, language does matter and the way it's set out there. So I just encourage those things and, 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 and to continue to work with NGOs, not government organizations. They're just doing amazing. I take a lot of inspiration from those movements and borrow their work. They actually shape the work that I do. I don't come up with ideas necessarily here. Like Ojibwe Shores really comes from the work that people have been, friends of Ojibwe and others have been doing for years. Um, We're just basically asking to stand on their shoulders. Yeah, 100%. And something I would like to add for the views is like, 
recently like due to the pandemic we've been trapped inside a lot and it's it's been hard especially for youth because all we've been doing is sitting at our computer doing school right it's it's not the best um it's not the best place to be right so um something i would definitely encourage is go out take a walk like enjoy nature right because it's it's here for us right it's like a a relaxed place i would say yeah Um, absolutely well i try to walk every day out somewhere um if it's not every day it's every second day i'll probably do about eight kilometers at least so so this it's yeah use it to your advantage you know put on your headset listen to a podcast as you're walking around just uh you know this it's hard with this it's i really feel bad for you you're missing your graduations you're missing proms you're missing other things that um, you don't even get a choice to miss. And I think, you know, like I never went to my own prom, but that was by choice. So it's, you know, that's not by, you know, any other thing that took place, which is what people are going to miss out on on this uh, upcoming kind of school year. And I feel bad for that, but things will get better. There will be better days. And to keep in perspective, uh, I've traveled enough to see how special we have it here and how good we've got it in many respects, but that doesn't diminish the mental health issues, doesn't diminish uh, the loneliness, doesn't diminish the frustration, uh, doesn't diminish of just wondering what you're missing. Uh, all those things are very, very important, very critical, but just to encourage is that things will get better um, and you will be stronger uh, after this and it's going to take some time. Living through a pandemic is a very unique thing in many respects for modern society, but in the past, when you look back, there's been these episodes that have taken place. Yeah, I completely agree. And Brian, sorry to get you off topic, but a lot of people are wondering right now, it's about COVID, but a lot of people are wondering right now federally if, like, like is, will there be an end? Like, what is what is Canada as a nation planning on doing with this pandemic? Because a lot of people are, like, sick and tired of it. So, so yeah. what do you have to do to reassure them? Like, what do you have to say to reassure them? So, so I've been pushing hard for us to get extra vaccines from the United States and other places. Now, the good news that we have is, is that Canada is going to get some more vaccines on a regular basis coming in. So things are going to get better uh, for that. Where I have been really disappointed in where it comes from our heart of our city here is I'm a big believer in manufacturing. And for the federal government, last number of years, the number of administrations have said that we have to move out of manufacturing. Well, we see how, how vulnerable that makes. And now we can't manufacture even our own vaccines, but we're moving back in that direction after putting public money towards it. Um, you know, during our uh, World, World War II and World War One in this community here, we made a lot of um, different things for the war um, because we had manufacturing and, and to fight fascism and so forth. So, you know, the reality is, is that manufacturing still matters, uh, has a future here, um, and we'll see some of that coming forward in federally. Um, we need to do a better job of making sure that we have that capacity. And the good news is that more vaccines are coming on a regular basis uh, than before, but we've been dependent upon other people because we don't manufacture here. When it comes to uh, this upcoming year, we pushed hard, and it's not enough, but we have some more jobs for youth. Um, The summer student program uh, is going to be coming out soon, and there will be some more jobs there. They're actually uh, up to $4 million. It's normally $2 million that's going to come to the region. But when you look at our youth unemployment rate, it's at 50%, which is way too high. So there's lots of challenges that we have, but we just have to keep plugging away and 
federally, I think we need to do a better job of uh, making sure that, uh, again, we're never put in this problem again of being dependent upon others, uh, because that's what we are. We're waiting every week for vaccines to come in from some other country, and uh, we should have been producing here, and we used to produce here at one point in time. Uh, but manufacturing matters, and I see it even more so today, and I'm, I'm glad to see that some people across the country are waking up to that. Yeah, 100%. Um, thank you for like uh, fighting for us and like, caring. It means a lot, you know, like especially during these times, it kind of feels like everyone's a little bit alone and it feels like especially yep. us as students, which I've been urging the premier to uh, recognize, it feels like we don't really have a voice. You know. No, it's it's been challenging for, and here's the thing too, is I would say that there are many of us, including Jagmeet Singh, and that are fighting for it. We don't believe in the student debt that's going on right now. There's another investment that um, well, finally we're going, they're going to waive interest for another year. Uh, they should be waiving interest period on it. So there's even outside of COVID-19, we should be making um, money off of student debt. That's just irresponsible government. What we should be doing is lowering the cost of education and making post-secondary education free because it's value added. When people are actually now having to graduate with one or two degrees, let alone you know just graduating nowadays. So it's getting more complicated and more difficult. So we have to recognize that. And we wanna make sure that our students are actually, when they graduate, they're less debt free so they can get into the purchasing of economy, getting housing as expensive as it is, and a whole series of different things. So we need to facilitate that support structure. And so that's why I've been pushing hard on consumer products and reducing the cost of those things, like again, the internet, uh, cell phone, the outrageous charges that we face here um, and getting that in line. Uh, you know, work, like tomorrow I'll be working on gas pricing and stuff like that to make sure Canadians aren't taking advantage of theirs. So that affects some, not students so much, but it affects other consumer uh, type things. Uh, and as well, too, is that we need to credit card and interest rate debts. Like the Bank of Canada late wrote, like, rate is very, very low right now. And we're still letting some places take 20% interest rate off credit cards. That's theft. Um, we have to stop that, and we, we can. Other countries have done that, and we need to be more bold and not beholden to some of these uh, operators because student debt is a significant issue. But what I argue is not just a student problem. We don't need young people coming out further in debt and not fully engaged in the economy right away because they have this debt load on them. That hurts everybody. Um, and the profiteers of this are, are not, the, not the ones that really build a con economy. Right. I completely agree with you. Thank you so much for your voice and your advocacy for us, Brian. Thank you so much for being on my podcast as well. Is there any last thing you would like to add for the listeners? Well, just to say how grateful I am to represent uh, Windsor West. It's uh, one of the most diverse communities uh, in Canada. Historically, it goes back to you know, the settlements here from our, our Aboriginal roots to uh, basically multiculturalism that we have now. I'm grateful every single day to be there. Um, and please stay in touch. Send us emails um, and uh, thoughts and opinions. It always helps. I read the, all the different materials and, and it, it helps guide me. Same with the ideas that we have. And uh, for everybody to please stay safe and try to be as consistent as you can. It's been a long haul. Um, with COVID and it's going to be complicated still in the future, but things will get better um, and life will get better. Uh, and you're going to need, we're going to need you to make it that way uh, as well. And there's also exciting opportunities that are coming forth with this new economy and some of the innovation taking place. There'll be some exciting breakthroughs that we need young people to be part of because that's going to really make the difference. Uh, old people like me are, are, are going to be uh, lingering around for a little bit longer, but at the same time, 
uh, the real solutions are going to come from the people right that that are the, the young adults right coming up right after us and and that's always been the way it is it has been and it's going to be that way now so thank you very much Maya and, and to everyone for for the work and, and finish your school thank you so much <laughs> thank you for being on my podcast thank you Again, that was Brian Massey. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time on Windsor's Truth.